Hello, hello, hello. Yes, let's fucking go! was me after an hour finally figuring out our audio because the software that we use to record updated without my knowledge and so when we came to record it wasn't fucking working yeah we were getting so frustrated and we have kind of a time crunch for this episode and so we were like oh my gosh we better figure this out like right now it's so true yeah um Kenna was out of commission for the last, like, two days, and so we are recording this, and you will hear it tonight at midnight. Yep, exactly. So, yeah, time crunch. It's always, like, when we're in a rush, right? Yeah. When we're in a rush, it's always something going on here. It's just, like, tier one, too. Like, uh, tier one IT. It's like, oh, is it plugged in? Oh, unplug it, plug it back in. No, for Restart real. Restart your computer. Like, just... A bunch of shit like that, usually. I restarted our software probably eight times. I re-downloaded it. I deleted it, re-downloaded it, restarted my computer, like, unplugged and plugged everything. I was getting really frustrated and finally figured it out. That's why you heard me in the beginning going, let's fucking go, because I got really hyped that I made it work. So, um, now we are back with another episode of Diagnosing a Killer. My name is Kenna. I'm Koal. And we are super fucking excited for this so excited. episode um, to air. I know you guys have probably seen on social media that we've been talking about a collab. We have mentioned in our last couple episodes. Do you want to tell everyone the spoiler alert and who we're collabing with and what we're talking about? Yeah, so we are working with Moviecation. Um, I'm sure some of y'all have seen that on the Instagram. So essentially what we're going to do is we are going to talk about a true crime case that has inspired movies, or specifically a movie that Moviecation will go over. So I'll let them do that portion. If you don't know, Moviecation is Brady, Cole, Joe, and Tyler, and they give their opinions and reviews on movies. They actually, as far as I know, have reformatted kind of what they're going to be doing. They were talking about like current films mm-hmm. or current TV shows. Bunch of funny dudes. They're hilarious. I yeah. love listening to them. Check out their Academy Award episode is probably, like, my favorite. It's just so funny. So they essentially are going to be tackling one film, an older film, that is in relation to the case that we're talking about today. So I think that they're going to probably go for that. I think just, you know, one movie and then all four of them talk about it and give their opinions. So I'm excited to listen to their episode as well. Same, yeah. And we'll be talking about, of course, deep dive into the case and the psychology of this person. And then at the very end, we will give our kind of take on the movies because I actually fucking watched them. (laughs) (laughs) I, um, you know, I'm sure listeners recognize that I don't watch a lot of movies and I haven't. Mm -hmm. And so I actually spent my time... I, again, like Kowal said, I was out of commission for the last two days. I had a medical procedure, nothing crazy, but it kept me in bed at least for a whole day. So I was like, oh, perfect. Now I can watch uh, these movies yeah, and get binge. my real opinion. And yeah, so really excited about that. So make sure you guys like, subscribe uh, move to Moviecation. You can find them uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, of course, Instagram as well. You can just, we tag them in our post so you can follow them as well. And they love responding too. I feel like every time you and I comment or they have a comment, uh, they're pretty quick to respond, like, all that yeah. good stuff. So they're really, re- like, they really respond quickly. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of social media, you guys can find us on social media anywhere at Diagnosing a Killer. Twitter is at Killer Diagnosis. We do have a Patreon set up. We have our stickers and business cards actually on the way uh, with our QR code. So that'll take you straight to our Instagram as well. If you subscribe to the Patreon, you will get a sticker immediately sent to you. We have email at Diagnosing a Killer at Gmail. And then of course, you know, anywhere else, (laughs) Diagnosing a Killer, you Google us, you can find us everywhere. I've been looking up like I've been vain and like Googling us and then like our names pop up and everything. I know. Like, oh my God. The images too. Right. So I do have uh, one email actually and one very nice direct message on Instagram that I would like to read before we get started. The email actually came from Frankie. She said it was okay to use her name. Franklin. Frankie. So Frankie said, Coco and Kenna. I'm writing to you from a plane, going on vacation to Portland, Oregon, and last time I took a trip out there, the soundtrack to my flights back and forth was the podcast, so I'm making it a tradition and doing it again. I've got John Wayne Gacy on to kick off the flight out of San Antonio. And since I've got a little time, I figured I could finally send out an email to you guys. A little throwback to some of the earlier episodes when Kenna would say, quote, we're practically celebrities, we're famous now. 
I see Coel pretty consistently when I come out to our regular bar, and she's one of my dearest friends, so she dazzles me all the time. <laughs> but since I started listening to the podcast about six months ago, Kenna, I hadn't gotten to see you in a while. Just a quick little wave from the car once or twice, and it started to feel like, ooh, Kenna's so elusive, and it's like a celebrity <laughs> sighting. And then when you finally came out recently and we were talking about the podcast, it almost felt like a celebrity meet-and-greet where I got to hear some of the behind-the-scenes stuff, and bruh, it was so cool. So, Kenna, you've done it. You've reached celebrity status, lol. If Frankie I, says it, it's true. I love that. If Frankie <laughs> says it, it's true. Thank you. Um, she goes, anyhow, just wanted to drop in and say I've been loving the podcast, and for a future recommendation, I've just recently learned about maybe the most chilling case I've ever come across and would love to see you guys cover this one somewhere down the line. David Parker Ray, a.k.a. The Toy Box Killer. Mm. <sighs> You're going to have to do that one. I don't know nothing about it. Oh, it's it's bad. Uh, she continues, even just briefly hearing about this one gave me, as Kenna says, the full body heaves in all caps. <laughs> and I didn't even get the whole story. High key, I heard enough to chill me to the bone and said, nope, going to wait for my deep dive for the deep dive from my girls, LOL. Anyhow, anyhow, it's been over a week since I started writing you guys this email because I'm a terrible procrastinator, lol, but I just wanted to say the podcast is amazing. Love you, babes. XOXO, Frankie. Love you, Frankie. Love you. That was Thanks. so sweet. And honestly, um, that case is chilling. I remember listening to an episode of, it was like a two-parter or three-parter episode that I listened to about him, and man, it is heavy. So yeah. I will say I am down to research and bring that case, however... The details that you probably heard, um, really graphic stuff, I probably won't include just because it's really yeah. bad. However, I'm down because it's a very interesting case. Mm -hmm. It really is. And this guy's, like, like the one of the worst, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. So thank you, Frankie, for that lovely email. Thanks, Frank. Um Next, I just want to really quickly read a DM from Instagram. This is from one of um, Cameron's old, old friends from high school. They were actually in dance together in high school, and they oh. were seniors when I was a freshman, so I got to dance with her as well. Not with her, but, you know, in the same mm -hmm. um, year. Uh, so her name is Leah. And Leah messaged us and said, Kenna, I'm way late to your podcast party, but I'm here now. I, I've binged all y'all's episodes, and I love it. In my head, you're still a baby freshman on Pep Squad, and I feel like a proud dance team big sister. <laughs> Literally listening to the episode with your mom right now, and I had no idea your mom was in healthcare admin. Samesies. And oh my god, yes, there's absolutely not enough mental health resources. When I worked in the ER and we get a psychiatric patient, the poor patient would end up sitting in the ER for 24 plus hours waiting on a bed in a mental health facility. We hated it. We weren't doing the patient any good, and it broke my heart that we couldn't actively provide the help that they needed. That sucks, honestly. She continues, anyways, I just wanted to pop in and say hi and that I'm so proud of you and Coel, who has no idea who I am. <laughs> she goes, I love the show. Keep it up. P.S. I'd vote for your mom for governor. <laughs> she goes, P.P.S. It made me smile a few episodes ago when Coel mentioned that Cam had cut her hair when she was young and it looked really good. Not shocking. She had to do my hair most of the time during Pep Squad. <laughs> and then she went away, I guess, and came back and goes, I lied. I'm back. Fuck that insurance company. And I'll stop live responding to the episode now. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you leah that's really yeah, sweet thank you and uh yeah honestly like i mean if you guys haven't listened to our dak live episode our mom was our guest host our guest mm. star if you will and uh we talked about you know her past positions work-wise and just how shitty the system is when it comes to mental health care yeah. so. um but yeah that's all i had do you have anything else before we get into this case mom for governor yeah <laughs> yeah i think uh just the only other thing that i kind of wanted to pepper in was uh big things coming up hopefully <laughs> maybe by august we may have a pretty big announcement hint hint yes so i'm excited i'm really excited we will see yeah we're gonna try to um really get some get ourselves out there i guess if you will and really yeah. just try to interact with more of you guys mm -hmm. so i'm excited about that me too well without further ado i am going to close out my windows showing me how to work the software <laughs> and then I'm gonna pull up my research before we begin this episode I just want to put a blanket content warning we said we're trying to do this before every episode this episode will contain content of manipulation of people after they are deceased and um, abuse and neglect in childhood to minor also included in this episode are content of animal abuse as well if those topics make you uncomfortable, we do encourage you to check out any one of our other episodes, and thank you for joining us. Love you. Love you. Bye. Bye.
So Kowal knows, of course, what we're doing today because of our collaboration. Um, but for the listeners, and I'm sure you saw by the name of the episode, today we are going to be talking about Edward Theodore Gein. Theodore. Theodore, more commonly known as Ed Gein. So that is the person we will be talking about today. And I'm sure you can figure out the movies that we're going to talk about as well. <laughs> um, but let's get into this case. Let's do it. On the morning of November 16th, 1957, Plainfield hardware store owner Bernice Warden disappeared. A Plainfield resident reported to police that the hardware store truck had been driven out of the rear of the building around 9.30 a.m. the same day. The store had had a few customers for the entire day and a slow day for the business. Local residents believed it was slow because deer season had just opened up and they figured that most people were out hunting. Bernice Warden's son, becoming worried about his mother, entered the store around 5 p.m. to find the store's cash register open and bloodstains on the floor. Ooh. Frank... Frank is her son. <laughs> Frank told investigators that on the evening before his mother's disappearance, a man he knew had been in the store and that he was supposed to return the next morning to pick up a gallon of antifreeze. What kind of a... Oh, this is a hardware store. I'm yes. sorry. I don't know why I thought flower shop. It's <laughs> weird. Upon looking into it further, a sales slip for a gallon of antifreeze was the last receipt written by Bernice on the morning she disappeared. Oh. Well, Frank Warden, Bernice's son, just so happened to be a deputy sheriff... So the entire task force zeroed in on the suspected perpetrator that Frank was able to name himself. <sighs> the person of interest in the murder was none other than Edward Theodore Gein. <sighs> so okay. we're going to talk about Ed Gein. Why would he do... Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. <laughs> did he not know... Sorry. Did... Go ahead. Did he not know that... I mean, I don't know what... I'm, I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there. It is diagnosing a killer, not diagnosing a... Kidnapping. Kidnapper. Didn't he know that, like, the woman's son was a sheriff and that... I'm sure he didn't care. <laughs> Probably didn't give a shit. Okay. All right. All right. That's all. Okay. I'll be quiet. <laughs> Edward Theodore Gein was born in La Crosse, Wisconsin on August 27th, 1906 to George Philip Gein and Augusta Wilhelmine, Wilhelmine Gein. I don't know how to say that middle name. I'm sorry. What? I think it's Wilhelmine, like German. It's... It's all W's. Yeah. Edward was the second of two boys, his older brother being Henry George Gein, born in 1901. He's the eldest of how many? I'm sorry. Two. Two. Oh, okay. No, so he was just... the second of two. So he had an older brother. He had an older brother. Henry. Okay, okay, sorry. My bad. In 1901, Henry was born. Isn't that wild? 1901. 1901. <laughs> it's ancient. When Augusta and George married, she was very adamant against sex and sexuality, but she really longed to be a mother, so it was okay for her. Well, I mean, she only had to have sex twice. True. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, get it over with, please. <laughs> yeah. However, it w when Henry was born, it is noted that Augusta felt really detached from Henry um, because he was a boy, and she would she prayed that God would give her a daughter, which is why oh. they tried a second time for a second I child. See. So she well, so she only really wanted one child. Yeah, but she wanted a little girl. Okay. Um, but then they had a boys. <laughs> George. Yeah. Yeah. What a peach. Yeah. <laughs> George Philip, the boy's father, was a terrible alcoholic who was unable to keep a job due to it, although he did work at various times as a carpenter, tanner, and insurance salesman, and Mother Augusta operated a small grocery store that she actually had... George had owned the grocery store at one point and was unable to keep it because of his drinking, and she okay. took over the store for oh, him, I see. so she would work at the grocery store. Okay. Um, however, this household was notably different than others of the time, as Edward's mother was the ruler of the home, with an iron fist, if you will and did not waste any time teaching the boys about her extreme devotion to her Lutheran faith. Hmm. So she was, she was, wore the pants, essentially. No, that's not really, that's kind of an outdated term, but she did. Um, it was what she says goes, and you're going to think about how I think, almost. Yeah. She would consistently preach to her sons about the innate immortality of the world, the evil of drinking, and especially her belief that all women, apart from herself, were naturally promiscuous, prostitutes and instruments of the devil great we're off to a great start and she was lutheran that doesn't even sound like lutheran and she sounds put like something else she's like i'm perfect but all the women are trash and <laughs> don't trust any of them you well, know the bible says to be obedient to your parents so oh, i'm yeah. sure she took that to heart i'm sure she did augusta would reserve time every afternoon to read the bible for the boys usually choosing verses from the old testament and the book of revelation concerning death murder and divine retribution cool <laughs> Put that in their minds. A real it. strong start. God, it's awful. I mean, it's it's really not funny. It's actually really sad because, like, especially Ed. Of course, considering what happens later, he like didn't have a fucking chance, you mm -hmm. know. And neither did Henry. But we'll see what happens. Uh oh. I can't stand that all like 
fire like it's terrifying your children from no, the get. Really. Especially with something as it pertains to religion. Something that is supposed to be uh like guide guideful, like yeah, t- helpful. Exactly. To use all of the negative things is like be like, don't sin or you're gonna die. <laughs> like it's like, jeez, what can't <laughs> I don't do? have sex. You will get chlamydia and you will die. <laughs> On top of this, due to George's alcoholism, Augusta despised him and took over, again, his role as head honcho in the home. Hmm. This reign in the home and practicing of the bad parts of religion, in my opinion, went on for many years, and I guess Augusta kind of realized that the boys were beginning to, when they were getting older, they were beginning to, like, take information from others that they had met in the community, like, in school, and started to, like, think about other beliefs rather than just hers. Yeah. Um, And she didn't like that. Of she was like, no, you can't listen to anybody else. I'm right. Everyone else is wrong. Like, don't take yeah. advice from people. She was essentially telling them, like, don't talk to anybody when you're out of the house. Wasn't that not... Uh, yeah, it was kind of Susan Smith, right? What it, was that? Well, it was her husband, David. Remember? His, yeah. his mom mm-hmm. was, like, super religious. Yeah. And, you know, eventually, you know, his parents split. Yeah. Um, in 1915, when Edward was nine, Augusta made the decision to move the whole family to a ranch that she had purchased on the outskirts of town. Uh, seemingly to isolate the boys from being influenced by others in the community. Mm-hmm. One of her other reasons for moving is that she also referred to lacrosse as a, quote, sinkhole of filth. <laughs> seemingly, like, rationalizing her decision. She's like, oh, that place is gross. We this believe. woman sounds like a joy. Yeah, no, she's I just want to, like, spend a day with her. She's great. I should <laughs> watch a DVD of her life. Well, Edward wanted to. This 155-acre ranch was located in the small town of Plainfield, Wisconsin. After moving here, Augusta got her wish, and the boys became completely isolated, with the exception of going to school and back. Which, honestly, I'm surprised she didn't try to, like, homeschool them. Yeah, that is surprising. When they were not actively at school, their lives consisted of chores and listening to the religious preachings of Augusta. Due to this isolation and lack of social gatherings, Edward quickly became a target at school, and he was frequently teased by his classmates for being, like, a weirdo, essentially. I know, it's really sad. It's like, it's not even his fault he's a weirdo. It's her fault. Um, He was noted as being particularly effeminate and socially awkward, this is a quote, with a lazy eye and a speech impediment. So he didn't really have a lot of the stuff going for him. Um, He actually also had a growth over his left eye, and Mm. his speech was stunted due to a lesion on his tongue. A lesion on his tongue? So not only are they giving their children, you know, all these negative idealations. They don't believe in chores. doctors. They probably aren't taking care of them, like, yeah. health-wise. It's definitely neglect and abuse. On top of this, it was noted by classmates and teachers alike that Edward would laugh at, like, random times for no reason, seemingly. It kind of seemed like he was reacting to, like, a joke that, like, no one else had heard. Yeah, like it was, okay. Like, he was hearing things, maybe? Yeah. Or maybe he was, like... He just thinks he's funny. He's, like, making jokes in his head. He's like, ha, ha, ha. Well, you, you know, know, like, we've discussed uh, laughter as being a symptom of seizures. It could be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah, it that's very well might be. And that if it that is the case, it makes a lot of sense yeah. for his you can, stunted uh, frontal lobe development. You can ask mom when I was, like, young, like, in elementary school that I used to just, like, laugh like that. Yeah. And um, although I only maybe remember one instance of it happening. Yeah. But given Cameron's history of seizures at that same age, yeah. I wonder if it's not correlated yeah yeah no definitely i think about that too not that he was really able to form connections to begin with but to add insult to injury his mother would scold him when he would try to make any friends at school like she'd be like you can't talk to that person what are you doing like how dare you try to make friends reminds me of that wife swap lady (laughs) (laughs) she's dark sided god i love that shit (laughs) that Um, woman oh god how terrible Augusta was known kind of by people in the community to be verbally abusive in other situations as well. It is noted that one time Edward came home from school crying due to the amount of bullying that he was experiencing. And in response to this, Augusta berated him and his father actually hit him over the head for crying. Kind of like, man up kind of thing. What? I think his mom was like, oh, he's, oh, you got to do something about this to to the dad, you know? So it's like, okay, I'll be the verbally abusive one, yeah. and you can be the physically abusive one, mm-hmm. and then we've got, like, all the edges covered there. Yeah. You know, like, you're all the bases covered. <laughs> <laughs> now, because of his inability to be social or, you know, of course, with his mother's re- response to that, um, Edward actually wound up having a number of imaginary friends in childhood, which is, I mean, reasonable, of course. That makes, cause... That makes sense, yeah. Our brains are kind of hardwired, for the most part, to, to be social. Yeah, no, for sure. And... 
it's I mean all he has is his brother literally he can't mm-hmm. talk to his parents you yeah. know about anything and they were they're like four or five years apart you said yes they're five years apart five years apart okay now despite all of these hardships he was experiencing Edward actually did really well in school particularly in reading which he excelled at hmm. Edward continued to attend school with his isolated home life, but in 1920, after completing the eighth grade, he actually quit school altogether to begin working on the family farm. So I kind of seemed like it kind of seems like that was maybe suggested by his parents, like you're old enough now to like really help us with the physical labor and things like that. So. I'm sure that's definitely what one of their goals was. It was like you know legally we can't not let you go to school. Yeah, <laughs> or up to a certain point, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know how it was in 1920. I'm sure children were expected to be in school. Yeah, homeschooling probably wasn't even a thing. Probably actually. not. Yeah, you know what? You're right. I didn't even think about that. Um, but it makes sense that he would throw himself into reading because it's like another like another world escape to another world yeah and it's like internal as well Mm -hmm. now despite all of the terrible behavior by his mother edward actually idolized her growing up and this was a fact that concerned his older brother henry as he was the only one of the two boys that ever stood up for them Hmm. edward would pretty much just take it yeah for lack of a better phrase and henry would stand up for the two of them yeah Interesting. Now, between 1920 and 1940, there's actually really not much known about Edward's home life, but seemingly during this time, he was still working on the farm the Mm -hmm. whole time, not really having any stepping stones to get out of the family business and into the real world. Um, And Henry was also still at the family home. Hmm. So again, they really only had each other to talk to and rely on. I mean, they're they're adults, like in their 30s. They're in their 30s, yeah. Huh. And at this point, it was also noted that their mother consistently treated them similarly to the, uh, when they were kids um and she would pretty much say that they were going to become just like their father growing when they grew up um yeah just wait a few more years you'll be an alcoholic yeah. and you'll be abusive too now on april 1st 1940 when ed was 34 years old his father george actually died of heart failure causing caused by his alcoholism at age 66 that's young for yeah so at this point, with their father deceased, Ed and Henry began doing odd jobs around town in order to help their mother with living expenses. Because they were consistently going into town to do odd jobs, the boys were actually really well known around town as being reliable and honest. They were, you know, honest workers. Those Gein brothers. Yeah. Um, <laughs> while both brothers worked as handymen, Ed also frequently babysat for neighbors, something he really liked doing because he seemed to relate more to children than adults at this time. Yeah. Which explains the, um, I mean, his brain is probably underdeveloped considering the abuse. It's like Peter Pan syndrome almost. Like, especially if you never had a childhood. Yeah, exactly. It's like Michael Jackson syndrome. Right. (laughs) Also, um, imagine fucking being babysat by Ed Gein. Like, later in life, you're like, oh, shit, that was my babysitter. Oh, shit, that was my babysitter. (laughs) Like, yikes. (laughs) (laughs) That's awkward. <laughs> You're like, oh my god. That's, okay. I never even thought about that. Yeah. Can you imagine? Ugh. <laughs> um, a few years later, Henry began dating a divorced mother of two and eventually planned on moving in with her. Hmm. Although he worried about Ed's attachment to their mother, he would still often speak ill about Augusta in front of Ed. Hmm. Well, Ed did not like the fact that Henry was still talking ill about their mother, and he responded with shock and hurt from his brother's words. He was like, don't talk about her like that. You're an asshole. That's always so interesting to me. Is it just because you become so desensitized to the abuse you still... Well, I mean, we've talked about it before that it's... You always want to... You're always trying to seek that approval, Mm -hmm. right? And then maybe if, you know, maybe if you respect that person and you don't talk ill about that person, maybe they'll respect you back. Well, yeah. I mean, he is... I don't know what the difference is with Henry and Ed, but since he was little, like, Ed has been told by his mother that she is perfect and all other women are bad. It's true. Not only, I feel like it's also maybe like a Stockholm syndrome or Oedipus complex, like maybe a little bit of both. Yeah, you know? like it's, it's Norman Bates. Yeah, it's definitely Norman Bates. I, I know that name. I just haven't. Oh, seen Oh, Psycho. Oh yeah, I have seen the movie. Yeah, Duh, that was silly. Do you think that? Well, maybe that'll tie in too. I should Google it. Yeah, maybe. Ed is also the younger one though, so maybe when Henry was younger, and then five years between him and Ed, him being born and Ed being born, maybe her, his mom didn't preach that to him in those five years. Those are formidable years. Mm-hmm. And then when Ed was born, maybe she did. I don't know, but yeah, it's just a wonder why Ed became very infatuated and like obsessed with his mom, and Henry became very detached. Right? Yeah, like, this same household. It's it's true though. Yeah, I mean, not to you know. I would love movie vacation to do Psycho. That'd be hilarious. Be cool. The old one and the new one. The new one with Vince Vaughn. But yeah, that's the, in Psycho. It's his mom has died, and he preserves his mother. Like he has his mother skeleton in the basement. No, that's it. Might be okay. Cause... Look it up because it might be. <laughs> Yeah, Psycho was in, like, the 1960s, so I wonder, it could very well be based off of Ed yeah. Gein. 
So, yeah, Norman Bates keeps his mom, like, in a basement, like, his dead mom, like, the skeleton. And then, like, throughout the movie, you think it's the mom committing murders because he dresses Uh, up, like, in her wigs and her gowns. But, yeah, so he'll, like, go around. So, like, the Bates Motel, and he'll go around, like, murdering. Okay, so I... Or, like, he murdered this woman. And then you think it's the mom the whole time killing, and then you realize at the end that the mom's dead, and he dresses up like his mom. Oh, I see. Because he idolizes his mom because his mom always told him he was perfect and, like you're perfect and I'm perfect and I'm your mother and blah, blah, blah. Huh. Like he was obsessed with his own well, mother. Well, it might be loosely based on it because it's not exactly the same. But also when I said earlier that I had seen Psycho, I was mistaken. I've seen American Psycho. I've never seen the movie Psycho. Oh, yeah. So, no, not American Psycho. Is Psycho the one that's like... Yeah. In the shower? <laughs> the shower scene? Okay, I've never And then seen Anne Heche and Vince Vaughn... Vince Vaughn plays Norman Bates in the remake Ooh. and Anne Heche is the one that he murders. Damn. Yeah. And then there's like this detective that's like going around looking for her and stuff like that because she's missing i think she has like a fiance we should just like partner up with movication and do the whole episode with them. that'd be fun <laughs> all right so going back to the case um now of course i just said that ed did not care for henry when he was talking negatively about his mother oh so, is that foreshadowing on may 16th <laughs> oh no here comes the date <laughs> you know when we pull out a date y'all someone's dying <laughs> oh god don't laugh okay it's what march <laughs> on may 16th 1944 Henry and Ed were reportedly burning marsh vegetation on the property, and the fire got out of control, drawing the attention of the local fire department. Hmm. The two boys were working together to control the fire, and when it was finally extinguished, Ed had lost sight of Henry. Uh Uh-oh. He immediately reported his brother as missing to the police, and when they arrived with a search party, Ed goes, essentially, oh, I don't know where he could be. Let's just check over here. And then he was there. (laughs) So this big property. So Ed led them directly to his missing brother after claiming that he didn't know where he was. Um, Unfortunately, the police stumbled upon Henry, who was found dead on the ground face down. Police became concerned about the circumstances by which they located Henry, of course, because Ed claimed he didn't know where he was and then led them immediately to him. Mm-hmm. Um, also, he said he must have died from the fire. Like, yeah, the, the fire, fire must have That's what I was going to ask him. what the... Um cause of death was. Yes, and police um, would become more increasingly concerned with the fact that Henry had bruises on his head and actually no signs of smoke inhalation or burns. Ooh. Despite this, the police dismissed the possibility that there was any foul play involved, and the bounty (laughs) coroner listed asphyxiation as the cause of death. Yeah. We didn't find any evidence of that, but we're going to label it as asphyxiation for sure. Yeah. Um, Not blunt force trauma. Apparently, investigators also suggested that Henry had been dead for some time, and that this cause of death was not due to the fire. Some time meaning, like, a few hours, maybe? Like, yeah. maybe right before the fire right, started or days, something? Yeah. but, yeah. However, no autopsy was ever done, and they closed the case, and nothing came of it. <laughs> Seems legit around here. Yeah. Nothing to see here. It's fine. Yeah, just bury him. They're probably fucking scared of it. They're like, uh. <laughs> oh, shit. Don't talk about his mom. Yeah. <laughs> It was not suspected until many years later that Ed might have been the perpetrator in the murder of his brother. So he wasn't really, like, a suspect ever. There wasn't any suspect because they, they didn't think it was foul play. Yeah, they didn't... They surely couldn't... It surely couldn't have been Ed because the boys were known about town, right? Yes. Not boys. They're men, but brothers. Now, with his father and brother gone, Ed was left in isolation with Augusta, and the two stayed at the home together. Shortly after Henry's death, Augusta would actually have a paralyzing stroke. Oh, wow. Um, It didn't kill her, but it, of course, paralyzed her. And after this incident, Ed devoted himself to taking care of her, being her full-time caregiver. Norman Bates. Yeah, of course. Ed later recounts that sometime in 1945, so a year after Henry died, he and his mother visited a man named Smith who lived nearby to purchase some straw. His name's Just Smith. I guess they called him Smith. They called him by their last names, I guess. I yeah, my name's Smith. Just Smith? <laughs> According to Ed, Augusta had witnessed Smith beating a dog. <gasps> a woman inside the Smith home came outside and yelled for him to stop, but Smith, unfortunately, would beat the dog to death right oh my... in front of all three of them. Oh my god. Augusta was extremely upset by this scene. However, what bothered her did not appear to be the brutality toward the dog, but rather the presence of the woman telling him to stop. She was like, how dare you tell a man what to do? He can do whatever he wants to do, and you're trash for coming out here and interrupting his... What the fuck? What kind of backwards-ass mindset is that? Jesus. Augusta told Ed that the woman was not married to Smith, so she had no business being there. 
And she angrily called her, this is a quote, Smith's harlot. Ooh, damn. That's a quote. Yeah. She was serious when she said that. She was. And... <laughs> Like, what the fuck? She's like, oh, you're not married to him, so you have no business telling him what to do. Like, bitch, what? His name is Smith. I don't... It's <laughs> probably his last name again. <laughs> Still. <laughs> now, shortly after this, Augusta would suffer a second stroke, and her health would decline rapidly. On December 29th of 1945, Augusta died at the age of 67. Did he put her in a basement? No. Damn it. Ed was absolutely devastated about the loss of his mother, stating that he, quote, lost his only friend and one true love, and he was absolutely alone in the world. Oh, that is so... It's, like, sad. sad. That is... God, it's, like, actually It's misguided, sad. but it's sad. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Becoming completely lost after his mother died, Ed became even more of a hermit while living alone. Now, all by himself, Ed held on to the family farm and began working odd jobs again for money. He actually boarded up rooms frequently used by his mother in order to, like, preserve them. This included the upstairs, the downstairs parlor, and the living room. And he would leave all of these rooms untouched. Um, unless he would clean them, mm -hmm. essentially. But he didn't move anything. What's really interesting about that, and, and when you talk about, like, movies or television that kind of pulls from this story... Um, there's definitely an X-Files episode of, like, you know, almost, like, Hills Have Eyes-esque family members that, like... They, it's, it's actually two brothers and their mom and their mom is like something about her. Like she's like invincible or something, but she's like lost a leg and they had her like on this really skateboard thing underneath the bed. I don't know. But either way, like their whole thing was like, I guess like the anti Augusta though, because her, she was like encouraging her sons to go like breed. Yeah. Ooh. It was really creepy. Anyways. Um, but that's what it reminded me of though. It's like that style of house. Right. And even in Texas Chainsaw, the house is kind of boarded up, right? It's like mm -hmm. this old wooden kind of thing, it, but it's to preserve. I didn't never, I never realized the connection between that, but the representation of that feeling of like preservation, like being represented in film or television when it comes to certain stories that mimic this. Yeah, absolutely. If y'all haven't guessed it, of course, we're going to be talking about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and we'll talk about that a little bit more in detail at the end. But mm -hmm. that is the movie that Movication has been uh, kind of diving deep into in their episode. And then um, that's one of the ones that I watched <laughs> to make sure that I had room. But this actually ties into that as well. I was going to say, um, so despite leaving these boarded up and untouched, the rest of the house actually became increasingly worn down and dirty mm -hmm. uh, while these rooms remained like pristine in condition and somewhat of like a shrine to his mother. Interesting. So it kind of reminds me of like the room in Texas Chainsaw where all of the dead animals and stuff, the taxidermy mm -hmm. is like that room is, like, closed off and, like, everything's in their right place and everything's right. really nice and neat. Yeah. Now, during this time, Ed actually slept in a small room next to the kitchen, seemingly to, like, stay closer to, like, where his mother spent most of her time. Hmm. Around this time as well, Ed became interested in reading pulp magazines and adventure stories, particularly those that involved cannibals or Nazi atrocities. Hmm. Interesting. Um, he spent his days learning about Nazi experiments, studying human anatomy, looking at porn, and reading horror novels. Um, he had also begun to indulge in these horrific fantasies, but nobody knew, so he was kind of, like, taking it upon himself to maybe make some of this stuff, like, a reality, and I'll get into that later. Okay. Hmm. In 1947, it is stated that Ed allegedly began grave robbing and would dig up freshly buried remains of women who reminded him of his mother. Like, same skin tone, age same kind stuff? of age, same oh, wow. hair color. Despite all of his extracurricular activities, Ed was still able to maintain his job as a handyman in town and actually received a farm subsidy from the federal government in 1951. Hmm. I actually didn't know what that was, but it's like an amount of money that's given to you monthly in order to keep your farm um, afloat in order to, you know, maintain the agriculture and okay. the economy. Around this same year, Victor Travis and Ray Burgess disappeared in Plainfield, leaving only a jacket and their dog behind in the woods near Ed's property. Both of them at the same time went missing? Yes. Okay. This was never connected to Ed Gein, however, but it is suspected that he might have had something to do with their disappearances. Interesting. Ed would also occasionally work for the local municipal road crew and crop threshing crews in the area. 
Sometime between 1946 and 1956, he had also sold an 80-acre section of his land that his brother Henry had owned before his death. Hmm. So not only did he, like, he, like, pretty much cut Henry out of his life entirely. He's yeah. Like, oh, that's Henry's property? Yeah, sell it. I don't want, I don't yeah. want to deal with that. Wanted nothing to do with him. On December 8th, 1954, a 51-year-old woman by the name of Mary Hogan disappeared. She was the owner of a tavern that Ed frequented, and this night he came by the bar. Mary informed Ed that she was closing down, and instead of leaving, he simply stood up and shot her in the head, killing her instantly. What? So he was, like, standing up, like, seemingly like he was going to go, and then he just immediately shoots her. So he had put, like, a sled in the back before going inside originally, Mm -hmm. so after shooting her, he had actually drug her outside to put her there, Mm -hmm. Um, so it was clearly premeditated, Mm -hmm. and then he would take her body back to his farm. The next day, police found a bullet cartridge matching a 32 caliber pistol, as well as overturned furniture and a pool of blood behind the bar. Hmm. Police did not immediately connect this with Ed Gein, however, and he was able to stay unnoticed at the farm. Now, this brings us back to November 16th, 1957, three years after the murder of Mary Hogan, when Bernice Warden goes missing. Okay. Again, remember, her son is Deputy Sheriff Frank Warden. Mm-hmm. So, knowing that Ed Gein was the last person in the hardware store, Frank Warden would send the task force over to his home. Okay. Trusted Health Products makes a variety of incredible products that you can feel good about. Their oral care, skin care, and nutritional products focus on quality first. Trusted Health Products are GMO and additive-free and are 100% pure ingredients that feed and nourish your body to help you look and feel your best. Click the link in the show notes and receive 10% off your first purchase. Trusted Health Products, products that you can feel good about. When police arrived at the Gein home, they saw something absolutely out of a horror film. And I wrote that a while ago, so it's (laughs) funny that we're talking about movie vacation. Police discovered Bernice Warden's body in a shed out back. She was hung upside down by ropes at her wrists and a crossbar at her ankles. Her torso was, quote, dressed out like that of a deer carcass, according to police. I know, it's really bad. She had been shot with a twenty-two caliber rifle, a fatal wound, and the mutilations were done post-mortem after death. I mean, that's like the slightest bit of good news here, is that she didn't feel any of that. Yeah. Searching the home, authorities found nauseating discoveries. Now, there is everything that was found in his home laid out online. I did not include everything because it's very graphic and very gross and it makes my stomach hurt. So I'm just going to put what I was comfortable putting in there. I'm just going to read that. And then you can read the Wikipedia page if you want the rest. (laughs) Or you can listen to Movication because I'm pretty sure that they put everything in there. (laughs) Now, among the items found in Ed Gein's home were four human noses, whole human bones and fragments. Wait, just a no... Wait, no. Wait, back up already. Yes. Just, like, hanging around, like, in the house? Um... Used in some kind of a way? It seems like they might have just been kind of out in the open. Just decoration. But then again, he was noted as using certain body parts or pieces of human to make various Things. objects. Right. Like furniture. Okay. That's mostly what I was getting at. I was like, yeah. is it like a necklace nose or... Uh, no, I don't know. Noses? Also found was nine masks of human skin, bowls made from human skin, like a cereal bowl. <laughs> It's human Sorry. skulls, I'm pretty sure. I don't know if he made... No, it was, like, stained make... and, like... What? Yeah. Like, le- like leather... Yeah. Leather bowl... Skin bowl... Scalp bowls? Mm-hmm. I saw... Okay. Um, Mary Hogan's head was actually found as well in a paper bag. Bernice Warden's head was in a burlap sack. There was skulls on his bedposts, organs in the refrigerator, and, again, multiple other items that I'm not going to repeat here because it's horrid. Again, this is all laid out online if you'd like to look. Um, I know that there's some very well-known items that were found, but I'm not going to say them here. Anyway. Skin lamp. Yeah, there was a lamp made out of skin. I was mostly referring to the belt made out of nipples, but I'm not going to put it It's a fucking... <laughs> Just leave it. Especially <laughs> <Just> like... <laughs> but I'm not going to put them here. Skin lamp. <laughs> also, belt made of nipples. I heard that (laughs) on a podcast and I was like, (sighs) now all of these artifacts, artifacts, (laughs) God, Jesus. 
makes sense but it just i'm just sounds, gonna put it sounds like it should be in a museum yeah oh, okay now everything found in the gene home were photographed at a crime lab and then destroyed good now walking into this home authorities most likely believed that this man was responsible for the death of dozens of people obviously with all of the stuff that they found but in reality it was not ed who killed these people the same day that Bernice went missing, November 16, 1957, police arrested Ed Gein and took him in for questioning. When questioned about the gruesome scene in his home, Ed admitted that he had been grave robbing since a few years after his mother, Augusta, died. Hmm. He stated that between 1947 and 1952, he made as many as 40 nocturnal visits to three local graveyards to exhume recently buried bodies while he was in a, quote, days-like state. So, do you think that, like, I mean, surely people, well, I don't know, if they were recently buried, then I guess the dirt would still be fresh, so, it, you know, as long as he snuck in there same night or next day, maybe nobody would notice that the bodies were actually missing, right? And he would essentially, like, look through obituaries to see, like, who was yeah. recently deceased, and the pictures of them, of course, would look like his mother, yeah, or but not. Would, wouldn't there be, like, a groundskeeper? I mean, it's got to take, like, at least an hour I mean, it's to like the 50s, dig it out. The and. 40s pull out a body and then i don't know how he got away with it he's clearly used to using the sled thing though that's that seems like something that he knew how to do so he had made as many as 40 visits like i said overnight uh to three local graveyards but on about 30 of those visits he said that he came out of the days while in the cemetery left the grave in good order and uh, returned home empty-handed so only about 10 times he actually grave robbed was he was he like what? Is he, like, sleepwalking? He's. I think he's trying to say he was in, like, a daze-like state. I'm not sure if that means mental illness or sleepwalking. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't really specify. Yeah. I he mean, I'm like, yeah, I've been diagnosed with this. I don't know <laughs> any other case where somebody would be sleepwalking and then uh, robbing graves, so. Yeah. On the other occasions, um, so again, at least ten times, he dug up the graves of recently buried middle-aged women he thought resembled his mother, took the bodies home where he tanned their skins to make his paraphernalia. Ed admitted to stealing from nine graves from local cemeteries and led investigators to their locations. Hmm. Alan Wilimowski of the State Crime Laboratory participated in opening three test graves identified by Ed. The test graves were exhumed because authorities were uncertain as to whether the slight Ed was capable of single-handedly digging up a grave during a single evening. Because, oh, again, you said it would take a really long time. It would. He was very thin. He's a thin and guy, they were yeah. trying to pretty much see, like, if... It was even possible for one person to do that in mm-hmm. that amount of time. Well, I guess they have to do their due diligence because they want to make sure that there's not, like, a bunch of missing people somewhere, exactly. right? So, essentially, during these um, test graves, they were they were found that Ed was being truthful, and mm-hmm. two of the graves were actually found empty. Due to these findings, police knew that Ed was being truthful about his previous actions, and then they continued on um, trying to identify each woman. Okay. Throughout conversations with Ed, police began to realize the true intent behind his actions— since his mother died, he began to create a, quote, woman's suit so that, quote, he could become his mother to literally crawl into her skin. So, yeah. I mean, there's no really, like, extra explaining that. <laughs> I'm not going to try to woman-splain what that means. <laughs> like, it's kind of cut it's, and dry. It's kind of cut and dry. No! <laughs> no! Shit. Because he would cut and dry their skin. <laughs> oh. It's not funny. It's not funny. It's a little funny. I hope that you guys understand that we're not laughing at the people. <laughs> we just get really uncomfortable. It is. It's really uncomfortable. <sighs> that's wild. That is. I mean, God. that's that's beyond. Like, that's... Like, if there's someone, no other way to phrase it. 
if like if like these movies had come out or like let's say like Buffalo Bill, like Silence of the Lambs came out before this, I would be like, that's reaching. Like someone wouldn't do that. You know what I mean? But like the yeah. fact that it's based on like true events is oh god, it's 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 what. That is yeah, it's <laughs> you have tears in your eyes. <laughs> yeah, it's not that it okay, it's not very complicated, right? And yeah. I think that's something that we we experience a lot with these uh, cases that we do when we're trying to break down the psychology of somebody, that it's a long history, right? And and uh, when people have MOs, you know, like BTK has an MO, a specific MO, you know, it, but but the reasoning behind it is so convoluted. There's not really like a really good explanation. It's kind of like, yeah. well, I just kind of wanted to see if I could do it. And then I did. And then I just continued and da, da, da. not make a person suit. Yeah. That's very... A very unique MO. It is. It really is. Now, when investigators asked Ed if he had also committed necrophilia before dismembering the bodies, he denied it, stating, quote, they smelled too bad. Ew. I know. During crime scene laboratory interrogation, Ed also admitted to shooting Mary Hogan, the tavern owner who had went missing in 1954. A 16-year-old witness, whose parents were friends with Ed, reported that Ed kept shrunken heads in his home, which Ed had described to this teen as relics from the Philippines sent by a cousin who had served on the islands during World War II. Well, that's distancing. Upon investigation by police, the masks that were found at the home were determined to be human facial skins, carefully peeled from corpses and used by Ed. Like uh, Silence of the Lambs when he's laying in the ambulance yeah. and his face is all cut up and then he stands up and like peels it away. That's like <sighs> that's like a, a little a little nudge, a yeah. little a little little uh, a little Easter egg. What would you call that? I don't know. I just said a, a little, jab, little, a little, 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 like a bunch, little, 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 little. At one point, it was thought that Ed might have been the perpetrator in other unsolved cases in Wisconsin, including the 1953 disappearance of Evelyn Hartley, a lacrosse babysitter, but nothing stuck to him. A babysitter. During one round of questioning, Ed was being questioned by uh, Washara County Sheriff Art Sheely, and during this interrogation, Sheely reportedly assaulted Ed by banging his head and face into a brick wall. What? He was, like, so pissed off as to what he did that he, like... like assaulted him wow as a result ed's initial confession was ruled inadmissible (gasps) art shealy actually died of heart failure at age 43 in 1958 before ed's trial (sighs) many who knew art said that he was traumatized by the horror of ed's crimes and this along with the fear of having to testify, especially about assaulting Ed, caused his death. Wow. I have full body heaps. <laughs> One of Art's friends was actually noted as saying, quote, he was a victim of Ed Gein as surely as if he had butchered him. Oh my god. I know. Isn't that ah. so heavy? Ugh. On November 21st, 1957, Ed Gein was arraigned on one count of first-degree murder in Washara County Court, where he pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity. Mm. During the trial examination... Examination! (laughs) During the trial examinations, Ed was diagnosed with schizophrenia and found mentally incompetent, thus unfit for trial. I didn't know this. Oh my god. He was sent to the Central State Hospital for the Criminally Insane, now called the Dodge Correctional Institution. This is a maximum security facility in Waupin, Wisconsin. And he was later transferred to the Madada State Hospital in Madison, Wisconsin. If I'm saying any city names wrong, I apologize, and you can feel free to correct me. I'm not from Wisconsin. Wisconsin. (laughs) I'm not from Wisconsin. I don't think anybody's from Wisconsin. (laughs) Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Ed Gein's house and 195-acre property were appraised at $4,700, which would be $45,000 today. Wow. His possessions were scheduled to be auctioned on March 30th, 1958, amidst rumors that the house and the land it stood on might become a tourist attraction. <gasps> Hell no. Could you imagine? But then they're also going to sell his shit. They might as well just burn the fucking house down. Funny you should say that. Oh, because early on the morning of March twentieth, the house mysteriously caught fire and <gasps> no was way. completely destroyed. Shut up! 
A deputy fire marshal reported that a garbage fire had been set 75 feet from the house by a cleaning crew, but it did not look accidental. Arson was suspected, but the cause of the fire was never officially determined. Damn. Some people think that the fire got so out of control because it was reported by Deputy Sheriff Frank Warden, so he didn't go over there in a hurry. So he was, like, the he first to like, know, and yeah. he was like, oh, I'm gonna stop by. I'm gonna stop for a shake on my way. What a shame. When Ed learned of the fire while in detention, he shrugged and said, quote, just as well. <gasps> Ah, I don't like that. I don't like that. Was it also H.H. H. Holmes that had his, like, castle, his murder yeah. castle burned down? Yeah, it was. It's crazy. Ed Gein's 1949 Ford sedan, which he used to haul the bodies of his victims, was sold at a public auction for $760, which would be $7,100 today. It was sold to Carnival sideshow operator Bunny Gibbons. So you're trying to make fucking money off yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Didn't oh. he have a cauldron? He had a cauldron, too. The oh, cauldron had a bunch of stuff. The cauldron's owned by Zach Bagans, I'm pretty sure. Not really. So, Bunny Gibbons would actually charge carnival goers 25 cents admission to see the car. Hmm. Ed was noted as being quiet and kept to himself for nearly a decade while incarcerated. Hmm. Now, remember, he's in the psychiatric facility. In 1968, doctors determined that Ed was, quote, mentally able to confer with counsel and participate in his defense. Hmm. The trial began on November 7th, 1968, and would last one week. A psychiatrist testified that Ed had told him he did not know whether the killing of Bernice Warden was intentional or accidental. He didn't know. He couldn't recall. Oh. Which, honestly, if you're diagnosed with schizophrenia, that's not far-fetched to yeah. say. Yeah, yeah. Ed had told the psychiatrist that while he examined a gun in Warden's store, the gun went off, killing her instantly. You know, I always say guns just don't go off, but, yeah. you know. As long as you're a responsible gun owner. Yeah. So just be responsible. Exactly. Ed testified that after trying to load a bullet into the rifle, it discharged. He said that he had not aimed the rifle at Warden and did not remember anything else that happened that morning. At the request of the defense, Ed's trial was held without a jury, with Judge Robert H. Galmar presiding. Ed was found guilty of first-degree murder by Galmar on November 14, 1968. A second trial dealt with Ed's sanity after testimony by doctors for the prosecution and defense, and Galmar ruled Ed Gein, quote, not guilty by reason of insanity, and ordered him committed to Central State Hospital for the criminally insane. But he was already convicted for one murder. For first-degree murder. So yes. he was convicted of first-degree murder, and then he had a second trial that was solely based on his sanity. I see. I don't know I why they did, too, but that's yeah. what happened. Judge Galmar wrote, quote, due to prohibitive costs, Gein was tried for only one murder, that of Miss Warden. He also admitted to killing Mary Hogan. Still mild-mannered, Ed made no new fuss while in jail, other than attempting to petition for a release in 1974, which was rejected. He laid low for a few more years, and on July 26, 1984, Edward Theodore Gein died of lung cancer at the age of 77. Interesting. I didn't know he was had Was he a smoker? Cancer. Hmm. I don't know. Now, over the next couple of decades, souvenir seekers chipped pieces from his gravestone at the Plainfield Cemetery for, like, keepsake until the stone itself was stolen in the year 2000. What the fuck? That's kind of... Jesus. Some people think it's, like, a conspiracy theory and it never was stolen, but some people think it was, so I just put that in there. Well, it, yeah, they might have just chosen to remove it just because it was getting destroyed anyways. Yeah. It was recovered in 2001 near Seattle, Washington, and was placed in storage at the Washara County Sheriff's Department. Hmm. So his gravesite itself is now unmarked, but not unknown because he's buried between his parents and his brother. Interesting. Now, this is so funny because I wrote this research like I told you a couple weeks ago, and my next line says, Ed Gein became the inspiration behind movies such as Psycho. <laughs> I said oh. earlier, I didn't know. <laughs> the Texas Chainsaw Massacres, Skin-Wearing Leatherface, and The Silence of the Lambs Buffalo Bill. Hmm. So, it does make sense, though. Um, well, I don't know if it makes a lot of sense, but schizophrenia spectrum makes sense with, like, all of his imaginary friends growing up and, and all the abuse that he kind of suffered at the hands of his mom and his dad. Mm -hmm. It seems like he was maybe predisposed to developing that, and then the, the trauma and abuse kind of made it come forthcoming or uh, forward-facing. Yeah, even the loss of, like, his dad, and, I mean, you know, I, I mean, you know, by the time that his dad died, he was how old? 
He was in his 30s. So. Yeah. But, I mean, usually it's, it's schizophrenia spectrum disorder starts rearing its head around early 20s, right? Yeah. Late it can, teens. It can show up, like, as early as, like, 15 for men, but, yeah, 20, 15 to 25 is usually, like, the Yeah. So it might just kicker. be a, a little late. But he did talk about kind of hearing things or voices. And, yeah. Um, who knows what he was dealing with on the inside. He pretty much kept to himself. Like you said, he read a lot. So... I don't know. It's yeah, really interesting. It's, it's definitely interesting. And then um, even the, like, schizophrenia spectrum might be the most forward-presenting mental illness, but who's to say that he doesn't have a bunch of different ones that he could have been sure. diagnosed with, right? And that might cause... He did have the, what seemed like he might have had seizures when he was younger. That kind of... They mm-hmm. might have stunted his brain growth and everything like that, but... PTSD, just from the abuse yeah. he suffered from his parents. Who knows what kind of CTE issues he might have been having. Yeah, exactly. He got knocked around enough. Yeah, I think mostly what, what you know, just given the time as well, do you think that maybe just because he was so simply stating, I'm making a human skin suit, that people will be like, clearly this man has a mental issue here? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, especially, like, after getting arrested, because, of course, it's noted that, like, nobody really knew what he was doing when he was, I mean, he was by himself. He, he was on, like, a piece of property that wasn't mm-hmm. close to town and, you know, seemingly a nice guy. I mean, shit, he babysat people, you know, for a while, yeah. but... You'd think that, like, after finding all that in his house, they would be like, oh, we need an immediate psychiatric consult, you yeah. know, <laughs> instead of waiting almost, what, how, 10 years in jail before, or maybe, no, he, I guess he, they did give him one before he was sentenced, but, yeah. then, but then they still tried him, you know, mm-hmm. um, for the murder, but. But what I'm saying is, like, where's the line? Because there's plenty of other people that we've covered that do things that are seemingly, I mean, well, that aren't you know, they're crimes, right? Like, they're murdering people and however, especially, like, like, Angel Resendez, how brutal he was. Mm -hmm. What, what do you think is kind of, like, the difference between saying this person over here is committing, committing these crimes over and over and over and over again with people? Why is this person not up for, I mean, I'm sure they they all get psychiatric evaluations, but how is this person mentally competent, but this guy over here is making a skin suit from just dead people how is he not mentally yeah, competent, exactly. you know? Well, yeah, and the psych evaluation is just that. Like, it's an evaluation. It's not like a... You're not like, oh, yeah, this is exactly what was going through your mind when you were doing this stuff right, or whatever. Yeah. And so it's really it's really up to, like, interpretation, honestly. Like, yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate because I truly believe that, like, everybody that kills people is mentally ill in mm-hmm. some one way or the other, yeah. you know? But um, it's just... I guess it's just time and, and circumstance, you know, who gets the right help, who gets the the psychiatrist that actually gives a shit yeah. and like, you know, it really wants to help this criminal because I feel right. like there's a big stigma over it. People aren't going to, I don't want to assume anything, but what I would think is like maybe some people don't want to give them like an out, so to speak, like by giving them a mental diagnosis sure. because then they're not held responsible. Quote unquote, yeah. For their it's crimes. part of the defense. Right. I mean, yeah. there's people like Ted Bundy that totally admits to everything that he does. And yeah. he, you know, he blames it on pornography, but yeah, um, exactly. But other than I mean, other than that, yeah, he's like, yeah, I, I surely did those things, and yeah. it's like, okay, is this guy mentally competent? Just because he understands what he did, yeah, and had like that registers, does that mean that he's mentally competent? Well, that's you know? the thing. Yeah, it's like there's a it's a the difference between mentally ill and mentally competent. Like you can be mentally ill and incompetent because you don't know what you're doing, and you can be mentally ill and competent because yeah. you do know what you're doing, you know? Right. That's, uh, that's a deep dive there, yeah, but... That, that would be cool, uh, yeah. mental breakdown topic. Yeah, I that think. would be cool. Um, okay, Anyways. so, yeah, let's talk about Texas Chainsaw, I guess. Let's do it. Yeah, so I watched it for the first time the other day, like I said, like a couple days ago. It's very odd. I It <laughs> threw me for a loop, and if anyone hasn't seen this movie, I'm sorry, spoiler alert, I guess, but this is a movie that's been out since the 70s, so if you haven't seen it like me, then you know what, whatever. I didn't, I did not know that, I I knew that the guy, the the hitchhiker in the beginning might come back later on, but I did not, when she ran out of the house, (laughs) sorry, I'm going through all these things, when she, when the last girl finally goes down, she gets away, she runs to the convenience Mm -hmm. store guy, and he, the way he was holding her face and trying to tell her to calm down, Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, he's about to start fucking strangling her. Get out of there. Literally, so I kind of knew that, but Leatherface is, I guess, what we should really talk about, um, because that is what he was inspired by Ed Gein, of course, because of the human skin suit. Mm -hmm. But not so 
related to Edgeen because this guy was almost nonverbal. Um, yeah. Leatherface was. He didn't really talk. He was clearly coherent and he understood, you know, commands and, you know, what people mm-hmm. were saying, but he was nonverbal and that's not Edgeen. Well, other than the fact that he said that he was dazed and in a trance. That's true. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you think that maybe there's been times that people had run into him during those moments and he was kind of nonverbal or. Yeah, maybe. That makes sense. You know? Yeah. Just trying to attach it a little bit more. Yeah, Not necessarily no. that's what, what inspired, you know, was the inspiration for him being nonverbal. But, yeah, and they definitely say, yeah. like, it's loosely inspired. But mm-hmm. um, the, you know, amount of, like, taxidermy and, like, the items that were in the home and stuff like that in mm-hmm. the movie, it's, like, that's the biggest thing that holds weight with Ed Gein. Yeah. And, you know, I can't... Almost, it was almost like the kids that were coming into the home were seeing that for the first time, almost like the police would, would with Ed Gein's home, yeah, right? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, but that was a, it's a, it's a, it's a good movie. I'm not a big fan of like older uh, horror movies. So I don't really think that they're that <laughs> scary. I can see how when it came out, it's very scary, you know? Yeah. Um, People but, were probably thrown up in the theater and Oh, stuff. yeah, for sure. Like The Exorcist. <laughs> but, um... God, that girl at the end, like, I'm sorry, like, I know you're in, like, a dangerous situation, but she screams for, like, the whole last 15 minutes of the movie. (laughs) Even to check on you, I was like, what's going on in here? Like, watching Texas Chainsaw, and I was like, oh, okay. I was like, dude, she won't stop screaming. Like, I'm sorry, but if I'm running away from someone with a chainsaw, I'm not going to scream. I'm going to try to be as quiet as possible so that if I do get far enough away, he doesn't hear me. She, like, is hiding, and she's like, ah! Like I don't know. Have you ever been next to somebody that's holding a chainsaw? Yeah, I have actually. It's very it, loud. It didn't have a chain on it. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I went through a haunted house with my friend for her like thirteenth birthday, and I was so scared. And there was this lady with a chainsaw with no chain, but she got it so close to my leg, she literally cut my leg with it. I am not <gasps> even joking. Like the force of the Sue. air. I was I was young. <laughs> I was a wee lass. <laughs> no, but yeah, that um, yeah that movie is interesting. Yeah. I just don't like the fact that people are, like, they were so open to just, like, let me just go in this random person's house. Like, not even worry about it. Yeah. He's, like, knocking and then... Well, it's but the again, 70s. they're teenagers. Yeah, exactly. Like, you would just go up and ask to use somebody's phone. But also, the, uh, the guy at the gas station was like, yo, don't go down there. You he don't want to go them, down that road. He told them, and then he also told, like, he told all three of the guys, and he also told the girls, like, you don't want to go down there, and then they still fucking did. I was like, all right. Like, <laughs> Have you ever seen Cabin in the Woods? Oh, not Cabin in the Woods. Cabin Fever. Mm-mm. I love Cabin Fever. You yeah, should watch Cabin Fever. I should. Pancakes! <laughs> it's, like, the best part. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it. I'll have to, I'll have to look into the, to that. Um, Ryder so Strong I, was, like, bae, too. Ryder Strong is so bae. From Boy Meets World, he was. uh, Oh yeah, oh yeah. He was what's his face? Um, Not Sean. Yeah, Danny. Was it Danny? No, Sean. Sean? Younger brother? No, he wasn't the brother. He was the friend, Corey's friend. Yeah, yeah, but he has an older brother. Oh yeah, and that was Matthew Lawrence, also Bay. Oh yeah. Uh, So yeah, Silence of the Lambs, also Buffalo Bill. Um, I really, (laughs) yeah, I really, really liked that movie. Yeah, I really it's so did. good. And the first time that I watched it, I just like got on my phone. And I was like, "This could be boring" because like yeah. I wasn't really paying attention. But I really liked it, and I think that like this sounds really bad, but I was kind of like hype about fucking Hannibal Lecter getting away at the end. I was Shit, like, yeah. "Hell yeah, Shit, yeah, <laughs> <Do your> thing." <laughs> the best part is when they when he flays that dude. It's insane. When the, he the angel, like, oh wings. yeah, oh, that's wild, and that actually it was actually really pretty, but it was like horrifying at well, the same time. You know what? That's actually interesting that you say that because of the way that Bernice Warden was found. That's actually Ooh. really similar, although she was upside down. Yeah, but, and the stomach thing—that's yeah—that was what it was. That's really interesting. I didn't even think about that mm. until you said that. And then yeah, the really stuck out of my head. The face on the face. That's an mm-hmm. Edgeen reference. Yeah. And then the Buffalo Bill, obviously, when they find the, the dead body and on the back she has like those missing pieces of skin and mm-hmm. Jodie Foster's like, He's making a suit. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. And her Jodie Foster voice. Yeah. <laughs> Dang, yeah, that was a really interesting uh, <laughs> movie. And then Psycho, can you talk about a little bit more about that? Because I know we said it earlier, but what was the connection again? Uh, just the mother, like, oh, yeah. the yeah, that he wanted to preserve the mother, and, like, he preserved her room uh, similarly to what you had said. Um, although he didn't really board it up, he just kept her room the exact same, um, but then would dress like his mother, her wigs, her dresses, things like that. No skin, but... Yeah. Um, and kept her rotting corpse in the basement and would Ooh. go, like, visit with her and, like, stuff like that, and then, yeah. like, become her. And then he would, like... 
certain parts of the movie, you can hear this old lady talking like this. And then he's like, mother, I won't do that, blah, blah, blah. But then you realize at the end of the it's movie, it's him. him doing his mother's voice. Oh, my God. Ew, 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 ew. That just gave me yeah. the heat. You should watch that one. You'd yeah. like it. And it's not, like, terribly graphic. I mean, the yeah. most graphic part is when he kills the trick. For well, then, can we just talk about, uh, speaking of graphic, when Buffalo Bill, like, <laughs> pulls his dick back and he's like, would you fuck me? What's, I'd fuck me. You're like, blowing my mind right now because this reference has been a reference for, I like, a has. very long time. I know it has. Yeah. Family Guy does a reference to it. And it's, yeah, I've, I've known about that scene. Yeah. I've known about that scene forever. Lazarus. I've just never actually seen it. Yeah. Like, I've known that it's a the thing, but, like, actually seeing it, I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense yeah. when people, like, talk about that and say that, because it's creepy. It is. <laughs> yeah, like a bush. <laughs> oh, God. Men have pubic hair, too. I know, it's just okay. funny. No, it just looks like a lady bush, though. It's, it's a lady. So funny. An effeminate bush. Oh, God. Well, that was, um, yeah, that's Ed Gein and the movies he inspired. Yeah. Give it up for Movication, y'all. I hope you go check out their episode. They are going to cover the second half or the first half or whichever half. Technically, I want to say that we covered the second half only because uh, Tyler gave me the heads up. On what they and, they about, so anyway. <laughs> and they recorded first. And they recorded first. And they've been ready for, like, days. And we yeah, haven't. So this Which, episode... no offense, guys, but I thought it was going to be reversed. I thought we were going to have this episode done, like, last week. And we were yes. going to be like, oh, these Moviecation boys not <laughs> getting together. Well, yeah. Thank you guys for, obviously, collabing with us. Like, that's freaking awesome. I'm, I'm looking forward to doing maybe something similar in the future. And I've been waiting to do this case. This case has been requested by a lot of people as well. So it was really cool that we were able to kind of collab and be able to release the episode at the same time. Yep. So if you guys are listening to this one, uh, listeners, then this the other one should be out around the same at the same time. Actually, yeah. So they're both going after to release you're done tonight. with this one. Go on over there and listen to theirs, mm. and we will see what they have to say because I'm excited to listen to I'm it too. So excited. <laughs> yeah. So that was yeah that was a a wild one with Ed Gein. We will be back on Monday with another mental breakdown. I don't know what we're gonna do yet i don't know what well, you're doing it so exactly I don't, no wonder i don't, I don't know. know what i'm gonna do yet well, so we'll figure it we'll out figure it out and again we'll keep you guys posted on stickers and business cards and any news that we have with upcoming events because that's really exciting yeah so, for sure yeah Hope, hopefully we get to uh to get out of there a little bit more on the true crime circuit scene yeah absolutely that's gonna be not just really in san antonio fun. but maybe elsewhere elsewhere we'll keep you guys posted yeah absolutely thank you guys for joining us and please keep sending those emails and those direct messages i love to read them and yes. love uh, putting them out here and you guys are awesome thank you right. for everything you do for us and we yeah, love you we love you and bye, bye. looking for a new perfume or cologne to match your style Scentbird has got you covered. With over 600 scents to fall in love with, Scentbird is a fragrance subscription box that will give you plenty of choices. Just choose what you would like from their best sellers, activate your subscription, and receive your first 120 spray bottle. Click the link in the show notes now to receive 50% off your first order, as well as a free case with Scentbird.